very aware of stepping into this space of preaching with this particular gospel in mind um, and aware that we are sitting in Ross, California. Um, first, though, what I want to point out in this encounter that Jesus has in Luke's story about Jesus is the beginning is a brother coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, make my brother divide the inheritance for me. So we have two siblings coming, well, one sibling is coming for, before Jesus, but we have a situation here with two siblings and inheritance and how that is all going to shake down. This conjures up or reminds us of the other story of the two brothers and the younger brother, the, the, the story that is often referred to as the story of the prodigal son with the younger brother who says, Dad, will you please give me my inheritance? And one of the problems here is that his father is still alive, so it is not time to divide the inheritance. Um, so in many ways, it is like the youngest son is saying, Father, to me, you are dead. Will you please give me my inheritance so I can go off and live life the way I want to live? And a story unfolds. Another story of two brothers, of two siblings and inheritance. But here we have this brother coming and saying, Jesus, make my brother divide the inheritance with me. And I don't even know all of the laws or the rules that maybe the brother was trying to follow or trying to get around. What I find really interesting in this text is that Jesus does not step into this question with a response like, of course, I am here as God's arbiter. Yes, I am here as God's messenger to judge what is right and what is wrong. Jesus does not say, well, let's determine what is fair here. I'm struck by the fact that Jesus doesn't do any of that. And instead, Jesus does what he does best, and he offers a story. But particularly with some of the issues going on in our nation, but in the world, in particular with, I'm thinking of our nation right now, I thought, wow, as Christians, as people who are practicing, following the ways of Jesus, I think if you were to ask the average person on the street, um, whether Christians stepped in and judged and decided what was right or what is wrong, that our, our reputation is that, like, that's what we do. That's what Christians do. I don't know that that's what we do. Um, there's a lot of different ways of practicing and expressing Christianity, but out there in the world, in the media, all that, I think Christians, we are known for judging between what is right and what is wrong. And yet here we have Jesus not stepping into that space, Instead, stepping into the space of story and of reframing, and the way I see a lot of Jesus' work is he moves in and he expands what's going on. Jesus, I think, frequently steps into a situation and says, okay, you're focused here, but let me paint a picture. Let me try to stretch the way you see things. Ultimately, I think Jesus is offering us a a way to stretch our hearts even bigger so that we can lean into the work that God is about in the world, which I think is always about greater and deeper understanding of mercy and love. 
So Jesus offers a parable. He offers a parable that is about greed. And the first bit, he sets up the parable by saying, there was a rich man. So we know in the situation there was somebody who had a lot. Somebody who had an abundance, had more than what was needed. And I would assume, especially taking in the context of the time, the context of who Jesus was talking about, this person was somebody that um, was a part of the system of the way that wealth, of the way that crop distribution, of the way that food, he had an important role, this rich man, in the way that food worked. Chances are this person was not in the crowd that Jesus was talking to. It was a different sort of person that tended to follow Jesus, seeking to grasp hold of the good news that Jesus had. But he tells the story of somebody who has a lot, somebody who is able to provide a lot. And this person is like, wow, the crops have been particularly fulsome this year. They've been so amazing that how am I going to store all the crops that I have? I need to build bigger barns. So we know this person already has barns big enough to store what they have, but they realize I need to build bigger barns. And then if I do this and I do that, then I can retire and enjoy life. One of the commentators, I think it was Brendan Byrne, um, noticed that in this parable, like in these short few lines, there is a, a dense concentration of the use of I. This wealthy person, this rich person, was using a lot of I language. And then in the parable, the character of God steps in and says, you fool, which I hear in this sort of like, oh, you're missing it kind of way. God says to this rich man, your life is being demanded of you this very night. What of all this stuff? What does it matter? And then the story finishes with a, a reminder that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Something to that effect. And that's something that Jesus says a bunch in all the Gospels. He talks a lot about what we do with our resources. What sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? As a congregation, we are mourning the loss of a lot, but of two people in particular who were beloved, who also were really amazing people. And I feel like this line hits a little bit differently for many of us in the wake of Bill's and Tim's death. These men were people who lived their faith in ways similar and in ways different. They were their own people, and they made their mark on the world in really beautiful ways. I've heard so many stories recently about the ways their lives touched lives in this space and beyond. They lived their faith. It makes me think about not only what I want my legacy to be, but also what our legacy will be. 
what will the church of St. John's be known for? In this parable, Jesus and his wisdom, he never really answers straight on, right? He offers a story, invites us into the story, where I feel like we're stretched and expanded. And in the story, I don't think that he is condemning wealth or resources. I think he is reminding us to live generously, to live abundantly with what God has blessed us with, with the resources that flow through us. I think of all the people that maybe lived in this town, in this town of the story, of the parable, that didn't have enough food to eat. And I think of the way this wealthy person may have missed that, may have not been able to see the needs that were beyond their own. What will our legacy be? This past week, I've been listening to a series of interviews. Um, it's it's uh, titled, Next Sunday. And next Sunday is a metaphor not for the Sunday that's going to come after this Sunday, but for what is next for Sunday in general. Um, this, I'd say he's a church innovator named Spencer Burke, has gathered together a bunch of different people doing God's work, either within churches or there was a rabbi, an interview I listened to with the rabbi, so there's an interfaith component. He's also just interviewed people that are working spiritually, but not all contained within the walls of a church. And he is sort of posing this question, like, what is next? That's a question that the staff and others here at St. John's, we have been having as well. Pandemic has revealed things to us. I don't know that it changed anything, but I think it's revealed things. And I think that some of the ways in which things have worked for a long time, just not working in the same way anymore. I think our ways of gathering are different. I am aware that there are many people out there live streaming with us. I think it's really amazing that we can expand our community, expand the way, ways in which we connect. I also love the fact that we can be together in this space. I don't know that Sunday morning has the same significance as it might have had a decade, a few decades ago. And yet, I still deeply feel that church is significant. I hear a lot from people that I don't see as often that St. John's is their church, that they feel very connected, even if the practices that we used to engage are not the same anymore. That makes me wonder, like, what is our legacy? What will be our legacy? I think that the Holy Spirit is working. I think that she is doing her work in spaces like this where we gather to learn and pray and share a sacred meal. I think that she is also working beyond the walls of the church. I think that she works to expand our understanding. I feel like we are at this really interesting, creative space. I have this vision of, of curiosity. It's not really a vision. I'm curious and hopeful about the ways in which St. John's is expanding and 
rippling out into the world. My invitation, my question for us, is what is our legacy? How is the Holy Spirit stirring us to be a presence of transformation in the world? How are we called to share our abundance? In the message translation, it's a little bit different language translation of this text. Instead of using language about treasure, Eugene Peterson translates the last bit of our gospel, something to the effect of, fill your barn with God, not with self. How are we being invited to fill our barn with God? What are the new ways in which we are being invited to share God's love with the world?